Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. This is the part of the show uh, where we have an in-depth chat with someone to try and reveal uh, a side not often seen. Uh, Last week we spoke to Joe Brawley, not so much about the GA, but about his life and identity as a Northern Nationalist. We spoke to Michael O'Leary about everything from Man City to Brexit and so on. And today my guest is a man who usually is in this studio uh, on the eve or the midst of a strike of conflict, of attrition and all the texts either uh, are very uh, divided for or against our next guest. Jack O'Connor is the general president of SIP2 and he tells me he's stepping down from that role uh, early next year. But the reason we want to talk to him, amongst many other reasons, is that next weekend in Wexford, the Labour Party, who had their biggest defeat ever in any election in the last general election, uh, are holding their 69th annual conference. And Jack O'Connor, at the age of 60, is taking on the task of chairperson of the Labour Party. Uh, you hear about rats jumping off sinking ships. Well, he's stepping onto one. Uh, Jack O'Connor, it's a very great pleasure to have you on Yates on Sunday. You're in good form, are you? I am indeed, Ivan, uh, 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 and, and thank you for having me on, and, uh, and good afternoon to you and your listeners. We have one thing in common. We started out our working lives working on a farm. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I, I left school at 15. Um, I grew up in, in the, what was then the village of Lusk in North County Dublin, and uh, uh, my father was an agricultural labourer. Uh, my, my mother was a home worker. My people were married late in life. Uh, there were two of us in the family and uh, my father worked very hard. He worked in a dairy. He went to work at four in the morning. He came home at nine. He went back at one. He came home at six. He did that uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Easter Sunday, Christmas Day, all the rest. And uh, he became very, very ill uh, when I was 12 uh, and he couldn't work anymore. And uh, uh, I left school at, at 15. I think it would be wrong to say that I had to leave school. Uh, frankly, a lot of people uh, were in difficult circumstances and they went on. Um, uh, I, I probably used my economic circumstances as an excuse uh, because I, I, I intensely disliked the, uh, the oppressive environment uh, in the Christian Brothers School and uh, uh, even by then I had very different uh, ideas about the way uh, the world should be organised and the way wealth was distributed and, uh, and I was very clear uh, by, by by that age of 15 uh, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do uh, I didn't particularly care what I worked at but I was very clear that I was going to be involved in the labour movement uh, 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 and uh, in, in the struggle for equality So tell us about your early career say up to 21 Well uh, I, I, I worked in horticulture I, I, I got a job with, with very decent people uh, uh, in a small horticultural business and uh, I worked there for a couple of years uh, I then changed jobs, uh, a few jobs. I ended up on a, 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 a construction pipeline project. Uh, by then I was deeply involved politically. Uh, by the time I was, I, I joined the union when I was 16. Um, and uh, That was the Agricultural Labourers Union? Yes, the Federation of Rural Workers. And uh, uh, I, I, I became active in organising that um, uh, pipeline project with one or two other people. And it was taken over by the council and I ended up being a council worker. And um, 
Uh, can I, I can I read what my brief says? Jack, then aged ten, became a binman and radical, uh, and the radical confronted authority in pursuit of members' grievances. Uh, I'm told within a few weeks the young radical turned the place into turmoil. Is that you know, right? well, I, well, I was older than ten. I think I was about eight. No, twenty. At twenty. Twenty. Were you? Did you cause mayhem? Um, well, it's a long time ago, and. Uh, I suppose I was in the middle of lots of rows, uh, both both uh, in the council and in the union. Uh, I did actually have the benefit. It was uh, I was I was uh, very very lucky. What are we talking about? Sixties, seventies now. Where? You're talking about the the, the nineteen seventy five on. Uh, we're we're probably talking about nineteen seventy seven now, precisely in what we're discussing here. I, I was about to say that I uh, I was extremely lucky in that I joined the Federation of Rural Workers because when, when you become involved in a small union, you, 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 you get to know the leadership and they get to know you. And uh, I, I was very lucky to meet uh, the late Paddy Morphy, who was president of the union. And uh, even though uh, I, I regarded him as being a man of the right in, 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 the, in the trade union context, and I regarded myself as being... Uh, a man, uh, a man of the left, or, or a young man of the left, and even though we had many differences, w- would you consider yourself a Trotskyite, a communist, uh, a socialist? What label would you put yourself on your own politics at that time? I, I, I would say I was probably uh, I, my outlook was probably a Trotskyist, uh, actually. But but I would always, and I still do, uh, I, I would def- describe myself as a socialist, as a democratic socialist. Uh, and uh, I, I just say, uh, given that I'm on the air now, that that uh, that that man, the, the late Paddy Morphy, uh, uh, is responsible for uh, for my continuing involvement in the trade union movement. And in he the was le- your mentor, role model, that kind of guy. He certainly was my mentor, and uh, I don't know why, but he supported me. Um, uh, in the, uh, throughout those early years. So then you took it up as a career union official and the Federation Workers' Union amalgamated with the ITGWU and formed SIP2. And then your career really took off. You became a regional organiser. Just tell us about your rise through the ranks. Well, first of all, I didn't particularly want to become a full-time trade union official. Uh, I, I, had, I had a great job for, for, um, uh, uh, for a socialist activist in the trade union movement when I became a bin man. Uh, because the the bins operated on a task and finish basis, so if, if you managed to get the the work done earlier than normal finishing time, you finished. And um, uh, as a result, uh, two things happened. Uh, the, the first one was that uh, you became very fit, as fit as any athlete, uh, um, running after a bin lorry and and lifting bins. And and everyone wanting to finish earlier uh, than than the next uh, crew. Quite efficient and uh, productive. Very efficient <laughs> and productive. Uh, 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 and unfortunately, now tragically, the people who do that work um, uh, uh, are employed in slave conditions. Uh, it's one of the great tragedies. Uh, but but okay, you, well, you asked well, me a question. Your career uh, through yes, the union, yes, just yes. because yes, I want to come on to the contemporary y- issues. Y- yes, but yes. just to round off how you got to where you got to now, you you, you did rise through the ranks. Yeah, I I I I I. I I was appointed uh, a, a full-time uh, organiser in the union when when the Federation of Rural Workers merged with the uh, with the Workers Union of Ireland. I discovered only the other day, by the way, that I shared the distinction with one other person, Morris Hearn, uh, of being the longest-serving industrial official in SIPTU. We both started on the same day, 
uh, back in February of, of 1980. And uh, uh, when the union merged with uh, the Irish Transport and General Workers Union to form SIP2, uh, 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 it adopted a regional structure and, the, and eight regional organisers were appointed, five by the ITGWU and three by the FWI. And I was appointed to what was then the smallest region, uh, the Midlands region. And um, uh, in the ensuing uh, politics of the union, uh, I, I never saw myself becoming the general president, uh, actually, or indeed an officer of the union. I saw other people uh, uh, and, uh, and I urged other people uh, to, to, to contest those positions. Bit of a Jack Lynch for you. Well, not particularly. I, 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 there, there, there was a particular context within which the, the different, let's say, factions would be too strong, but the different uh, groups in the union could have united around two or three people. And uh, that was a course that I very strongly advocated. Um, for one reason or another, they, 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 didn't, they didn't reach an understanding. And, and uh, I went on, I supported Des Geraghty for the presidency, and um, I, I ultimately was elected vice president um, 17 years ago now in the year 2000. And I became president uh, after Des Geraghty in 2003. When did you join the Labour Party? I, I, I'm a member of the Labour Party since 1976, uh, continuously. And was there, because from the outside it looked like uh, Sinn Féin, the Workers' Party versus the Labour Party was a struggle within the unions because, you know, it was known that people like Pat Rabbit, uh, Eamon Gilmore, Des, that you've referred to, were kind of stickies. Yeah, well, I, actually, you go back to, to, you asked me whether I had a, I had a Trotskyist or a socialist outlook and uh, I was involved for a while uh, with with Joe Higgins and the militant tendency, uh, which subsequently went on to become the Socialist Party. And it was through them uh, that uh, that I joined the Labour Party and and played a part in establishing what ultimately became quite a very uh, quite a vibrant branch in, in the village of Lusk in North County Dublin. So vibrant, in fact, that Ken Farrell, uh, who who is a a councillor uh, out there, Ken emerged from that branch and uh, he's held the the seat there for years and he topped the poll even in the very difficult last local elections. Okay, so at this point in time, after the worst defeat in the Labour's history, you're going to be chairman of the party. Uh, Significant role. I think Michael D. Higgins and others have held it in the past. What uh, led you to the conclusion now is the time for Jack O'Connor to become embroiled in full-time politics almost, or, you know, in front-time yes, politics? Well, well, first of all, I don't support... I, I, I have been a member of the Labour Party, as I said, since 1976, continuously. Um, uh, but I don't support, or I'm not a member of the Labour Party in the way that somebody would be a member of a football club or support a football club. Um, I see uh, Connolly's party as ultimately... Uh, the only vehicle by means of which we will achieve an egalitarian society in Ireland. Um, I have a great deal of respect for a great many people on the left and uh, and I don't at all uh, subscribe to the view that I, I never use the term populist, for example, and, and I don't at all subscribe to the view that they're dishonest or that they're posturing. I disagree with them, all right. Uh, but uh, I, I, so I, who are you talking about? I, I'm talking about various people on the left. Uh, well, let's go through it because this is a, in a, where I want to go with this is yes. you have a political fund in SIP2. It's very transparent yes. and it has supported, I think, predominantly the Labour Party, but it supports individual candidates. Yes. SIP2 and Sinn Féin. SIP2 
and People Before Profit. SIP2 yes. and the uh, Solidarity is now called AAA. Yes. How would, why, why, why pick one? Why not build, build an alliance of the left? Well, that's, uh, of course, what, what we should be doing, but um, that's an objective that has eluded the people on the left in Ireland and, and, and other countries uh, uh, throughout the 20th century uh, for one reason or another. Uh, but um, uh, I, I, I joined Connolly's party, uh, the Labour Party, uh, because uh, I saw it as the instrument uh, by means of which uh, w- 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 working people could advance the idea of an egalitarian society. But are you saying that you think Sinn Féin is not a socialist party? Like Joe Higgins has said that Sinn Féin is not a socialist party. Do you think they're a socialist party? Well, what I think about Sinn Féin is that uh, uh, I think that Sinn Féin is a Republican party uh, and I don't describe it as a nationalist party. I describe it as a Republican party there are a great many people who are socialists in Sinn Féin, probably pro rata as many or more as are in the Labour Party. Uh, but the raison d'etre for its existence is not the creation of an egalitarian society. The raison d'etre for its existence is the reunification of the national territory. And uh, when you're examining uh, the, a, a political project, it's very important to understand uh, that the core reason for its existence, because that ultimately is what defines where it will go. Um, in relation to uh, the, the, the people in the Trotskyist movement, and, and, uh, and, and there are very many good people involved, um, uh, I, I think that the lessons of the 20th century teach us uh, that, uh, that uh, the idea of socialism without uh, democracy is a contradiction in terms. And I think it teaches us as well that, uh, that socialism, when it ultimately uh, comes about, and uh, and and I firmly believe it will have to come about. Uh, ultimately, it, it it will have to represent uh, the best of capitalism and something more. In other wo- in other words, it will have to uh, encapsulate the the capacity for innovation and the ca- the capacity for ingenuity and the ca- and the cap- and the capacity for risk taking uh, that 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 capitalism exhibits. But it will have to tether it securely. Uh, to the interest of the common good, which, of course, capitalism doesn't. OK, but in terms of tactics and looking at the Labour Party with seven TDs, do you think, because Pat Rabbit has a piece in today's Sunday Business Post where he says trying to compete with the ultra-left is not the way to go, and he talks about social democracy, it seems there's a bit of a fork in the road for the Labour Party. You either take a lurch to the left and you sort of embrace Claire Daly, Mick Wallace, Sinn Féin, and you form a coalition of the left and you say we want to get into a collective mass and, and maybe form the largest part of a government, or we fight our corner. Which way are you saying to go? Well, I, I would approach it rather differently. Uh, um, uh, and I'll, I'll deal with what you've said in the, in the course of responding to you. Um, uh, you see, the first thing to say is this, that if we can navigate a course through Brexit, which is potentially very, very bad and might not ultimately work out as bad as we fear, hopefully, and, and, and through the protectionist policies of the Trump administration, uh, which again could work out very, very badly for, for us. We could be headed into a perfect storm. But but if we can navigate a course through those, uh, we are actually in a place now, uh, uh, as we emerge from the structural deficit, uh, um, we are actually in a place where we can probably make more progress between now and the centenary of the founding of the state in, in 2022 uh, than has ever been made 
in any similar such period since the foundation of the state towards the realisation of the aspirations of the democratic programme upon which okay, the war and my question was, was if, uh, compete with the ultra-left, embrace the ultra-left I, I or think, what? I think that, that uh, the Labour Party, and I argue this very strenuously during the coalition years, should never allow itself to be defined in relation to its attitude to any party or political movement. Uh, Connolly's party should do what Connolly uh, insisted we should so do. So no alliance of the, the left, the, 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 solo run. No, what, I say, what I'm saying is this, it should never allow itself to be defined by its attitude to any other political party, particularly uh, either of the centre-right parties. But what, what, uh, what, should, what we can do now in Ireland, uh, leaving aside the Labour Party for a minute, is we can, if we have the courage and the, and the politics to do it, we can make more progress towards the achievement of an equal, fair society which was envisaged in the democratic programme than we have ever achieved in any similar such period as the period between now and 2022. And the Labour Party, before it thinks in terms of any other relationships, should set out very clearly... It's own stall. What... what, what can be achieved and what needs to be done to achieve that. Okay, one of the things that you've championed is, and I quote this, uh, collective, legal collective bargaining rights. Yes. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean everyone has to be part of a union? No, 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 indeed. But it means everyone is entitled to be part of a union. And if people choose either to join a trade union or otherwise to organise themselves in their place of work, into some kind of an association. Is that or, not the law at the moment? Or otherwise, no. Uh, you, 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 it's the law to the degree that you can do it. But, it. but there is absolutely no obligation whatsoever on the employer to deal with you. And as a consequence, uh, uh, what happens in reality is uh, that people are subjected to all sorts of victimisation and otherwise. Now, I should say, incidentally, uh, that, uh, that, that we did make some progress... Uh, that the Labour Party did make progress in the last government in relation to this, uh, in in improving the legal basis for collective bargaining and providing quite extensive protections to people. In fact, believe it or not, we're the only country in the world, the only country in the world bar none, which legislated to improve collective bargaining rights against the background of the economic collapse of 2008 and that is entirely attributable to the role of the Labour Party. And, and I should say as well, now that we're on the subject of collective bargaining, uh, I believe firmly uh, that, that the right to collective bargaining is more important in determining uh, the quality of working people's lives than any other single ingredient because it's the point at which, at, at which the benefits of output are distributed. We have four minutes left. I want to put it to you that if you stand back and you look at where the trade union movement is, it's particularly in the private sector, I, I would put it to you that unions are declining in influence. They've gone from 38% to about 28, 29% of the workforce are unionised. That I remember disputes over... Uh, there shouldn't be bus. There shouldn't get rid of bus conductors in buses. And now it's more efficient to have the driver take the fare and all that. Mm. I can think of so many things where technology is displacing work. I'm thinking of India and China and their cheap imports, and they don't have unions or whatever. Could I push it to you that because you've given your lifetime to this, mm. that in a way, really, 
you're resisting change and change is inevitable. Whether, whether it's competition, consumer choice, that these and technology are the driving forces in society and that ultimately unions, it's a bit like King Canute, you can't resist it. Am I wrong? Well, you're, you're entirely correct when you say that change is inevitable and that change characterises the history of human experience. Uh, but for a very, very long time, the, the, the instrument of change in, in the developed world was the trade union movement. Uh, and and uh, I would say this, that... Uh, How was it? How was it? Explain that, because surely they've been resisting change. Oh, well, and you see it in Bussera now, they're resisting change. I'm sorry, I understand the pain. Resi- I understand the pain. No, no, they're, they're, they're not resisting change. Change is a neutral word. But they're resisting that, cost-cutting. What they're resisting is the race to the bottom and the enslavement of working people. But surely my point is technology and world trade and globalisation means a race to the bottom, whether you like it or not. Not necessarily, it doesn't. Uh, The the fourth industrial revolution that we're into now, digitalisation, has the potential to uh, relieve human beings of the drudgery of work on an unprecedented scale. But what's happening by reason of the fact that it's controlled uh, by, 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 by capital exclusively is, is that it's giving rise to new forms of slavery and exploitation. That's the reality of it. But I'll finish on this. You asked no, me no, about... No, no, sorry. Can I just put it to you? What we're seeing is the uberization of work. Uh, in other words... Yes, it's, des- it's described in, in the literature as new forms of work. You see, it's not new forms of work at all. But it means it, more flexible. It, it, what, what, what it is, actually, is, is, the, is the reoccurrence... Uh, of of the worst work practices of the 19th century. It's not new forms of work. It's old forms of work with new names. Okay, but, let's but, agree on that. But you, Conley, will will what, you be able to resist it? But Connolly would have defined as old wine in new bottles. Now, uh, my, I thought you were going to ask me what's my biggest regret. Okay. Right? And, uh, and it's entirely relevant to the question you've asked. My biggest regret is that notwithstanding the fact that I have been uh, president of the biggest union in the country for 14 years uh, and that I have been uh, a member of the GPC of Congress for 16 years and that I have served as vice president and president of the Congress for a number of years, the worst years. Okay, uh, and your probably, regret is? Uh, uh, and, my defi- and my regret my, is, that, is that I was unable, or we, uh, a few of us, uh, were unable to convince uh, the majority of the leaders on the Executive Council of Congress to embrace the recommendations of the Commission on the Irish Trade Union Movement, which envisaged uh, making the changes that are necessary to equip the movement to provide real support and real organisation for working people so as to resist the race to the bottom in the years ahead. And even at this late stage, I look forward to the possibility uh, that Patricia King, uh, who is a very good leader in the Congress, uh, 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 and the other people who are coming on board now, will actually achieve that transformation which is necessary to equip working people to have a say in the future of Ireland. Jack O'Connor, for the moment, General President of SIPTU, and by the end of this week, the future Chair of the Labour Party, thank you for being my special guest this morning. We wish you well and we look forward to talking to you on this and many other topics again in the future. Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you.